words appear. The email addresses and groups mentioned on this program no longer exist. Blind Like Me does exist in its new incarnation on groups.io. To join, send a blank email to blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. That's blindlikeme plus subscribe at groups.io. week's edition of our little show we call Blind Like Me. I'm Phil Parr. Uh, you probably already knew that, though, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, there's Shelly Probst. Imagine her being on Blind Like Me. How are you? I'm doing fine today. Phil, how are you? I'm good. It's a beautiful day in Texas. You're in uh, where now? You're We're in, in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Boston, Mass. I uh, listen to Click and Clack the Tappet Brothers. You know who they are? I actually have to admit, I don't. They're they're the guys that do a show on NPR called Car Talk. Oh, okay. And they're very well-educated guys. It's on NPR. It's on, on down here on Saturday mornings. And they're very Boston-speaking. Uh, oh, they've got the Boston accent. They, they have a heavy Boston. <laughs> really, uh, I, I love it. I think it's a delightful accent. It's uh, it sounds cultured or to me educated. You know, I don't. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm sure everybody in Boston is not cultured and educated, but it. Mm, there are those too, of course. It, uh, uh-huh. I get teased about my accent not being from Boston, so it, yours uh, isn't. It uh, comes up every once in a while. Where, <laughs> I get compared to everybody else. Where is your accent from? I'm actually originally from Connecticut. Let me let me get a watch started here. Hang on just a second. Sure. I forgot to start it. We'll assume that a minute's gone by, so we'll just short everything. Fine. So you know, you're actually from where? I'm sorry. I'm actually from Connecticut. From Connecticut. Well, that's not that far. It isn't, but you would be surprised the regional differences that do come up on occasion um, in my job since I do a great deal of phone work. Uh, when I say the word ball or call, people really pick up on it. But otherwise, for the most part, it doesn't come up, you know. Um, and uh, so I do often get compared to, well, you don't sound like you're from Boston. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, those 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 states, I don't mean to belittle them, but they're small states. I mean, when you drive in Texas, you can start one end of Texas and be driving, and if you drive all day long, you won't be to the other end. Exactly. Now, here you could sneeze, you know, and you'd be through. <laughs> I, I'll be the first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go because we took the train from uh, 
Let's see, from New York City to Washington, and it just, I mean, it was just amazing how little time it took. It, it was three or four hours, but it... Sure. You know, it's just amazing. Anyway, you, uh, what is your level of vision? I actually am considered to be legally blind. I have no sight in my left eye, and uh, my right eye, I have 2,400 vision with glasses. 2400 so that's uh that's a small amount of vision but it's certainly if you're total that certainly seems like a lot i mean it's, it does exactly um you know i do i can tell for example the colors of things um I can tell, uh, you know, if there's something obvious, you know, like if someone's wearing a necklace. But, for example, I wouldn't be able to tell you what color rouge someone had on. That's too fine of a detail. I wouldn't even be able to tell if there was makeup on at all. Um, so there are some limitations, certainly. Of course, small print is a big, uh, a big issue. Uh, so anything and everything around here is either a combination of real or large print. Um, and on occasion, speech as well. Um, but when it comes, like you said, to those who have yeah. no sight, it is a big difference. Now, um, wh- how did you get this way? I mean, what, what happened to cause this blindness? Do you know? Uh, I actually uh, have a good idea. Um, I was born preemie, um, and yeah. I was supposed to be actually a New Year's baby, and I decided that I wanted to make my appearance in Halloween. Uh, and so I spent 60 days in an incubator. And, of course, the classic tale of too much oxygen exposure is yeah. what they tell me was the cause of my disability. Um, so my, the, uh, the retinas themselves were uh, damaged as a result. So you came at seven months rather than nine months, mm-hmm. uh, the classic nine months. And so you actually begun life with sighted uh, with eye problems. Yes, I and did. You, you, you've, uh, you, have you, you, did you have more at one time? Is it, is it was it getting less or what? Um, well, I'd like to say in my uh, in my three uh, decades of experience, I would like to say that I would. It's probably going down. Not that the acuity itself is changing, but that. They say as you get older, um, you find that you can't focus as well. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, he laughs. Uh, I, it's true. Uh, I laugh because I'm 63 and you're 30. <laughs> Why do, do you really get old, hon? Well, it's it's just a com- from a comparative perspective. I can tell you from uh, working in a hospital uh, for four years, uh, about, let's see, that's going on 15 years ago now. Um that I was able to read the small print, not like the smallest of print, but smaller print on a lot of the medical packages so that when doctors and nurses needed things for their procedures, I was able to provide them. But um, in visiting my grandparents at the nursing home now and seeing some of the same packages, I've attempted to read them and now I can't. Um, and I have regular visits and I know that my acuity hasn't changed, but the the finer focus is not there like it used to be so mm-hmm. and that just might be a lifestyle change as well but they do say that that does tend to be the case so but you you've never been able to drive or any of that sort oh no definitely yeah. not i'm kind of glad considering i'm sure you guys have heard the horror stories of how people drive up here in boston it's terrible so <laughs> i would rather use my two feet thank you yeah. <laughs> in the public uh, transportation so your parents uh did they run you around from doctor to doctor and try to do something about this or just accept it or what did what did they oh. Understand it. There was a lot of turmoil right at the beginning. Um, my mother, um, at the time, um, 
already had a son who had a lot of uh, serious medical problems due to asthma and allergies. Um, so she'd already been used to the medical runaround. Um, yeah. She went to one doctor who told her this child will never walk, never do anything on her own, and she pretty much put her foot down and says, I refuse to believe that. Yeah. Uh, and then got the recommendation for another from her own mom and went to this gentleman by the name of Malcolm Gorin, uh, who is no longer um, practicing, unfortunately. He was a wonderful inspiration once I became cognizant enough to appreciate his advice. Uh-huh. and. He turned around and he had a totally different perspective, um, and he encouraged my mother to work past it, and she did um, through divorce, through uh, terrible, you know, trauma, uh, trauma through to you know the stress and emotion. She got through it. Um, had a lot of family support, a lot of friends who would come in, babysit, read stories, the whole works, and yeah. it allowed for a what I would consider to be a semi-normal lifestyle, you know, for two kids with both having medical problems, yeah. you know. It worked out pretty well for her, I think, in the long run. Well, what, did this, what was this first guy's deal that said uh, this girl will never be able to do anything? What was his trip? What, what was he thinking? I, I don't know. Um, she said that um, he was very old, um, very old school. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that that probably had a lot to do with it. I mean... We're talking back in, you know, like early 70s, and things were still developing at that point. We didn't have a lot of the laws we do now that really encourage inclusion and mainstreaming and whatnot. So I still think there was a lot of mm, questionable opinions in the medical community. Well, that's certainly one, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a... Uh, in my interviews of blind people and knowing blind people, we do about anything uh, sighted people do, short of driving a cab. or And there are certain jobs blind people can't do. But you, sure. I've been amazed even since I've been doing this show six months by the, but you know, we've met a guy who who is a who is a physicist. We've met a guy who's a girl who's taking flying lessons. Oh, neat. Uh-huh. We've, um, you know, we've just met all kinds of people. We met a guy on the other day on the Internet who was, has a business on the Internet roasting coffee and he's selling selling coffee on the internet and this guy was an auto mechanic before that so there's just no there's no limit to what blind people can do oh no there isn't and it's funny you mentioned that company i'm wondering if that's the unseen bean it is oh yes it Uh is jerry leary i've been looking at that site and going oh i think i'm just going to have to order some this is a blind fellow named jerry leary he's in Reno, Nevada, maybe not. Maybe Boulder, Colorado. I get confused. I've done so many. I've got confused. But anyway, he's out <laughs> west, and he's uh, very interesting. If you want to go look at the archives, uh-huh. he was three or four shows ago. Okay. Uh, and uh, it, it'll be on the ACB archives. He was a, uh, he was a, quite a fellow. He spent most of his life working on cars. Oh, wow. You'd be surprised. Uh, so, yeah, you would be. Now, did you? Did they send you? What school? sort of school did they start you at? Was it young? I actually went to, uh, they might. My mother went the whole route. Um, she said, I'm not even going to consider alternative options for my daughter. Um, I'm putting her in public school. And so I started out in uh, Linden Nursery School in Meriden, Connecticut. Um, I did have a special teacher that would come in. Um, Carla, uh, she would come in a couple hours a day because I would have a lot of trouble with uh, learning in the same way, of course, that the other children did. Um, I could certainly pick up a lot of it, you know, listening. Sure. Uh, to actually 
see the shapes of the letters and the circles and the triangles and all the basic tools that you need, I just wasn't picking up on it. So she came in and she reinforced it with a lot of tactile training. Um, and I still have um, some of the little shapes that she created herself. Yeah. Would put little magnets on, and I'd sit on the floor in this big open room with this, like, board, and she'd put the shapes up there, and I can still remember. It was a, it's a great experience. Um, it was something that I think probably gave me the edge. Um, yeah. So it's something every blind student does need. Um, and the other kids liked her, too. It wasn't like I stood out or... Um, you know, that I was getting some sort of special treatment. Yeah. They liked her because the nursery school didn't have these things for everyone else. So in time, the teacher started incorporating some of her little tools into the rest of the children's teaching, um, and it made me feel more a part of the class. Um, I ended up being there an extra year uh, because of it, because I didn't spend as much time with the other children, um, and they wanted me to get the socialization skills too. But I think it was a good experience, and it would be something that I would definitely recommend um, if it's possible. Not every community has that ability uh-huh. from day one, um, but if it's possible, go for it because you don't want your child losing out. Um, you know, from day one, uh, it's crucial to get the good foundation. Did they attempt to teach you Braille? Believe it or not, Braille was not even considered for me um, until much later, and it was my choice to learn it. Um, they started me um, with everything large print or on or audible form, um, all the way up through, geez, I, I graduated high school, um, and only did I um, discover that Braille became a kind of a secondary tool for me once I got married um, because I didn't always have, I mean, gee, you buy a little spice jar, you know. You can't put a huge large print label on it, but you can stick a little Braille label on it, you know. Um, And so I chose to uh, learn Braille at that point. I'm still not the best at it. I was one of the fastest learners, but since I don't use it on a regular basis, I've really kind of lost the main ability to say pick up a book and read a book in a night but i could for example tell you what my spices are um and i don't mark them all just kind of the newer ones until i get used to the look of the jar now you uh braille you say pick up a braille book and read it have you done that is that something you it was one of the requirements in the rehab center that i went to before going to um my second college um and uh, that's a that's a whole other story. Well, let's, let's uh, don't get ahead of ourselves. Let's, exactly. Let's get you in, let's get you in school. Um, uh, and and you went through the, uh, grade school all through public school yes. as a partially blind girl with sighted peers. With, yes, I did. Uh-huh. Uh, with all with sighted kids, and you had friends. I had some friends. Um, I found that it was easier in elementary and middle school to have some friends. Not a lot. They were. You know how there's that, there's the acquaintance, there's the friend, and then there's your close friend. I'd say I was probably a mixture of acquaintances and friends. There were people uh-huh. who waved to you, said hi in the hallway, but it wasn't something that you, you know, got together and hung out, you know? Uh-huh. Um, it was a comfortable existence, I'd say, through elementary and middle school. 
again, um, I did have an itinerant teacher who has become my second mom in a way, uh, Myrna Spencer. She was a, a real inspiration for me when I would have trouble with, well, why don't I have friends? Why don't they want to hang out with me? And um, she would kind of put it, put it right down on the, you know, right right in the open and say, hey, look, you know, these people don't understand. They don't know what you can do, what you can't do. They see you in school, but they can't, you know, always go beyond that point. So, you know, don't. it's not your fault. Don't feel bad about it. And I don't know how many times I had to be reinforced with this lesson, but it was good to know that someone could provide that feedback for me. Sure. Um, and But there were no other blind children at your public school. Um, well, I will be honest with you. Um, middle or elementary and middle school, I wasn't aware of any. Um, Myrna Spencer uh, was the itinerant teacher for the Meriden School System, and I always knew she had other students, um, but I always got the impression, at least through, um, especially through elementary school, I think I was aware of one other uh, blind student um, in middle school. Um, I can't think of his name offhand. I think it was Danny or Daniel. But it was never something, we never interacted. I was in one grade, he was in another. There was never any comparison made between the two. There was never any efforts to bring us together for peer association. Uh, but then when I hit high school, um, I was already considering what I wanted to do for, um, for my future um, and started asking, well, you know, I know I'm not your only student, you know, who else is out there? Can I meet them? Can I see how they do? And on occasion we would meet, but it still was something that Myrna kind of discouraged, not actively, but you all need to lead your separate lives was kind of her perspective, yeah. you know? Um, and so on occasion um, I would run into people, but I was her oldest. Um, and so, uh, and she considered to me to be one of her star pupils, I guess, uh, still kind of one of those embarrassing things, but um, she really focused on making sure that I got the education I needed, got the social skills I needed, and made sure that I was successful. I was I worked with her. Carla finished with me in kindergarten, I think, right when I went into kindergarten, and Myrna take o took over from there. Hmm. So we had a very long-standing relationship. She saw my development. Um, and I think kind of took on a personal interest more than just as an itinerant teacher. Uh, so that, that's where the relationship ended up growing and still is today. Um, and so it was, uh, it was a good experience overall, I think, even though I didn't interact too often with other blind children. All right, let's, uh, look, we're at about 15 minutes. Let's take a little short break and continue with Shelly Probes and sort of the story of her life on this edition of Blind Like Me back in just a minute. Guide Horse Foundation, an organization to provide a safe and cost-effective, reliable mobility alternative for visually impaired people and to deliver trained guide horses 
at a no cost to the recipient. It was founded in 1999 as an experimental program to access the abilities of miniature horses as assistance animals because there is a critical shortage of guide animals for the blind. These friendly horses provide an alternative mobility option for blind people. People who have tried guide horses report that the horses demonstrate exceptional judgment and are not easily distracted by crowds and people. Guide horses are not for everyone, though. There are a strong demand for guide horses among blind horse lovers, those who are allergic to dogs, and those who want guide animals with a long lifespan. Why use a mini horse? Well, horses are natural guide animals. They have been guiding animals for centuries. In nature, horses have been shown to possess a natural guide instinct. Many blind people ride horses in equestrian competitions. Some blind people ride alone on trails for many miles, completely relying on the horse to guide them to safety to their destination. Through history, cavalry horses have been known to guide their injured rider to safety. Miniature horses can live to be more than 50 years old, with an average lifespan being between 30 and 40 years. They also have a very calm nature. Their trained horses are extremely calm in chaotic situations. Police horses are an excellent example of well-trained horses that deal with stressful situations. They also possess a great memory, excellent vision. They are safety conscious and have a high stamina rating. For more information on the Guide Horse Foundation, visit the web at Guide Horse Foundation. On the Blind Side, I'm Mark Christie. On the Blind Side, celebrating the contribution of blind people to societal evolution. More blind like me. Our guest today is Shelley Probst from Boston, Massachusetts. Get you um, into you, you mentioned that you went to a couple of different colleges. Yes. So you, you did well in high school, grade wise. How did yes. you do? Did I you? did very well. I ended up being on the honor society, um, and that was a lot of work for me. Boy, it was without uh, the assistance, without being a. Um, because let's see, you're, you were in, in high school. Did, did, you, did you have a computer? I guess we didn't have those by then. Um, no, I actually didn't have a computer at that point, although I can tell you I can't imagine a time without having one. <laughs> could you, yeah, I can't either now. I've had mine seven years. I don't know how the hell I live with that. But you, could you see well enough to type on a, on a portable typewriter, I yes. suppose? Um, okay. I was using a typewriter from time to time. Okay. And at that point, like I said, when I had the ability to focus, I was able to do it. It was frustrating at times, but I could do it. Um, I could see the letters I knew my keyboard structure um, but if I made a mistake it was a devil trying to you know backspace and yeah. you know, white out over it and but I could do it with some help so that's how you did your uh, your things and your reports in high school and you that's how you turned in papers was typewriting exactly no we yeah. did have some I think they were Macintosh computers in the library yeah, but, um, yeah. in high school and I did do some minimal work on those as well uh, but I did find that most of my work was done either by typewriter or writing. Yeah, because uh, the computers back then would have been, there wouldn't have been any speech nope. uh, like we have now. Mm -hmm. uh, do you, I guess you see well enough, do you, don't, do you use spe uh, speech on your computer or not? Uh, 
um, if I'm reading a very lengthy document, I will use speech, just yep. because it goes through a lot faster. So you have windowizer or Jaws or some speech something? Um, actually, I've, I use a program called ZoomText, and ZoomText okay. has a basic speech program. Yeah, okay. Well, that's uh, so you are quite, you, your computer is a big part of your life now, oh, right? Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, we, now we, we got out of college, I mean, high school, good grades, walked across the stage, got your diploma. Uh, graduated, and uh, next year started college. Tell us about college. Okay. Well, I started out at um, a college called St. Joseph's College. This was in uh, West Hartford, Connecticut. It was a small Catholic girls' school. And the year or that summer, I remember crisscrossing Connecticut um, and then coming up here to Boston, Massachusetts, actually, um, and looking at different schools. And that's when the... I guess you could call it the overprotectiveness of my parents really started setting uh-huh. in. Um, and I kind of gave into it a little bit, I have to admit. Um, I had been accepted because of my grades at a very small sco- uh, school up here called Leslie College. Um, and I think they have a top class size of 600 students. Um, I think that actually might be the whole school size. And I backed down. Um, I thought about going. It seemed like a good environment. And my mom went, oh, that's too far away. I don't like the look of the dorm room, and I don't want you going there. They're not going to give you enough support. And I didn't have uh, that second opinion um, from Myrna to really back it up to say I need another perspective. She, of course, wasn't going to go. She had her other students. So it was between me and my mom. I pretty much gave in. I said, okay, let's go closer to home. Okay. Um, And so I then... Went to St. Joseph College. Again, it was another small school, and I liked that idea. Well, that's not a bad thing, going to college close to home. No, right. it wasn't a horrible thing. It meant that I could come home and have Mom do my laundry. <laughs> uh, Which is important. Other, you know, yes, that's important. important. Things, you know, home cooking once in a while. Right. College mm-hmm. terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first year went very well. Uh, I continued to excel academically. Um, I made closer friends up there. Um, I got to know people a little bit better. And again, um, there wasn't very many disabled people there. Uh, there was one other young lady by the name of Jennifer who I got to know. Um, and I must have gone through one of those social, um, I don't know what to call them, um, back steps, I guess you could say. Um, where I found this other disabled person, and all I wanted to do was hang around with this other disabled person because I felt very insecure. I didn't have the support that I wanted or that I had been used to. She balked at it, Um, and after a short period of time, she just said, look, I don't want to hang around with you anymore. Whoa, what a devastating thing that was. It hurt. It it did. Um, And... I didn't quite know how to take it, so I did spend a lot of time on the phone with Myrna, again, explaining what happened and what do I do. <laughs> yeah. uh, and in time, it kind of passed, and I got to know other people, and what she said is instead of focusing on your disability, why don't you start seeing what else is around you? And that was a hard thing to do. Um, that's really what you're supposed to do in college. You're supposed to expand your horizons. And so eventually I did. I got into choir. Um, and I'd always been in choir from elementary school all the way up. Uh, had been in special choirs, uh, honors choirs, and things like uh-huh. that. I had the I had the gift of music. It was something that, with good hearing, you can really you know pick up on. So it worked out well for me. Uh, so I found a niche, um, and I got to know people there, um, and that's kind of what got me through my freshman year in college. 
Um, of course, taking all your basic courses, I really wasn't sure still what I wanted to do. I thought teaching was a good idea, and everybody kept encouraging it. Um, so I said, okay, this has got to be the right thing for me. Uh, sophomore year came around, and oh, I went from black to white. Or no, let's change that, white to black. Um, and I got a little bit too much into the socialization. Uh, of course, the grades fell. Yeah. Um, not, not to the point where I was you know, kicked out or anything, but they dropped dramatically. And for me, being an honors and excelling student, it was a scary thing. But I felt like life had kind of gone out of control for me. I didn't know what to do. I liked the social life. I didn't want to give that up. It was something that I felt I had been denied for ages. (laughs) Well, when you go to college... You're not judged so much on your cheerleader skills. Nope. You know, everything changes. That's what I keep telling uh, my grandchildren and my nieces and nephews. You're not expected to be a beautiful cheerleader when you're in college. You make friends because they want to be your friend and, you know, not because you're popular for no other reason. correct. Exactly. So you got into the social life pretty much. I did. Um, I wasn't one of those troublemakers, but... I learned something called the Internet um, and spent a great deal of time communicating with others outside of my own school, other states, other countries around the world. I actually met a couple of really decent people, one of which was a a professor uh, who also ironically had his own disability. Um, that helped me through an advanced, cal- uh, it wasn't calculus, it was some advanced math course that I took. And I would go to this math class, and then I would, like, totally pull my hair out, and then I would sit down at the computer, and I would explain to him, okay, she presented this problem. I have no clue how to even take this into perspective. And it was almost like he took the course with me because he could break it down, um, and I actually, I barely passed the course. Um, but I made it um, with his help. But there were a lot of unsavory influences online. But it was a safe environment. Nobody knew I was disabled other than those who I chose to reveal it to. Um, and so it was a quote-unquote safe environment until I put my coursework aside too often to to take refuge in this quote-unquote what I consider to be a Because you think you were still, your your lack of sight was, at this, this point in your life, still causing some insecurity. I definitely would think so, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to dwell on that, but it's yeah. a, it's a wonderful point and may, in, in a certain way, emphasize the point that you had never been around any successful blind people. That's correct. And you didn't know if there were any successful blind people. Mm-hmm. And you were the only blind person you really knew, and you thought, well, Jesus, maybe I, this is, a, and, and that's one of the reasons for this whole exercise, this blind like me, is to show uh, recently blinded people, people who've recently lost their sight, or young blind people, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, um, what is my line? It's not a handicap, it's just an inconvenience. That's correct, exactly. And that's I what it think. is. Mm-hmm. It's I think a, it's I'm a, a very good example. It's a hell of an inconvenience at times, but it's just an inconvenience. Exactly. It's all in how you take that, your quote-unquote limitations, and you make a way around them. You can't always take a straight path from A to B. Sometimes you have to go around about. <laughs> yes. And so you, as you said, you were equal 
in stature, uh, equal in every way on the Internet to everyone else there because no one knew you couldn't see. That's correct. They, didn't know, you... how I was, they didn't know how I was sitting in front of the, the screen with this. I don't know if you've ever seen these. They're, they're a pair of glasses, and they, they chip out uh, this rounded section, and they insert a telescope lens. That's how I started using the computer because it was the only way that I could bring the printing to my <laughs> eye. Uh, and I looked, I looked at the site, let me tell you, and people would come into the computer lab, but I didn't care because after college, everybody knew me. Yeah. Um, I was a very quick study. I learned a lot about the computer from the people in the lab. As a matter of fact, they were the ones who said, hey, Shell, you know, you really got to go do your studies. I know, I know, I know. You know? <laughs> they, but they saw the potential there and... Um, started steering me away from too much social life and started showing me some of the other benefits of a computer. Um, and that was that was a good thing, but the damage had already been done. Um, well, I don't know. I, I, I don't know you. This is the first time I've ever talked to you in my uh-huh. life. But you're you're. I don't know if you've always been like this, but you're very outgoing. Uh, you don't. You you seem to have a uh, a good grasp of what you want to say and you say it. Uh, have you always been like this or not? Uh, I would have to say that. Spending a lot of time in the spotlight, like I said, being in choir, having solos. Uh, I will admit I've also taken some public speaking courses, um, and I've always felt that um, speaking your mind does need to come out because no one knows about you except you, and no one will learn about you, you know, unless you can express it in a good, concise, and Explicit manner, Um, and sometimes people find that to be a detriment too. Ask my boss at work; they'll tell you. He'll tell you. (laughs) Uh, But it is—it's very important to be able to speak your mind um, in a way that can allow people to develop their own opinions. Uh, we had a lady uh, three or four shows ago who mm-hmm. who we did the show, and she listened to the show, and she emailed me and said, Phil, I'm a blabbermouth. Why didn't you shut me up? And I said, well, because that's what we want you to do. That's the point of this whole exercise is yes. to find out about you, to find <laughs> out, to let other blind people know who, you know, people listen to this all around the world, and they don't know you, they don't know your experience, but they can, in if they're blind, some things you say they're going to be able to relate to. That's right. Because they've had some of the same experiences you have. But let's, let's touch on music now. Were you Did you just use your voice, or did you learn to play an instrument, or what? Uh, that was one of the other challenges for me. Um, I did take piano lessons for four years, something like that. Um yeah. Uh, and this is where my disability also did become a problem because, of course, trying to read sheet music, I was terrible. Um, all through high school, elementary school, middle school, I did everything by ear. Um, and I picked it up twice as fast as everyone else did and could lead the sopranos through yeah. the whole section. But when it came to actually sitting down and picking up on, well, geez, I have to sit here and read this staff, and I know every good boy deserves fudge, and I can do all this important <laughs> theory. But when it came yeah. to actually... Um, following a piece of sheet music so I wouldn't have to memorize it. It was impossible. I got very uh, frustrated. Um, and so I turned to singing and said, Mom, I, I just don't like piano very much. <laughs> and that disappointed her because she bought me an upright piano for a birthday present. Well, um, there's lots of pianists bought every year by kids that, mothers that kid, whose kids never become Liberace. You know, exactly, just, exactly. And, and I, could play the music, I could play the basic stuff. I, got, I really enjoyed waltzes. Um, I enjoyed rags. Yeah. Things like that had a set rhythm. 
and I could really pick up on that and enjoy it. But when it came to complicated pieces, uh, Moonlight Sonata, um, and it escapes me who it's by now, it's terrible, uh, was an extended work. Um, and at one point I could play it, but I played it like with no emotion. I knew what I had to do, when I had to do it, but I couldn't connect with it. And that's mm -hmm. when I realized that, no, piano isn't the right thing for me. My voice is what allows me to express myself the best. Um, and that's where I excelled the best. Um, and you sang solos, and you sang... Um, not as many solos as I, as I would have liked to. There was a lot of competition. Mm. Oh, sure. Of course. Um, and I a lot of times lost out. Um, I could go into a whole long story about... Uh, and this actually may be an opportunity. I think I should probably tell you about this one. And I'll try to keep it as short as I can. Okay, go ahead. We've got time now. Okay. Um, in high school, and this was a very heart-wrenching experience for me. Um, and it taught me about how others really viewed me. Um, we had a play, or a musical, Oklahoma, my senior year of high school. And, of course, I was all excited. Those who were in the honors choir um, kind of got preferential audition times. And I went in to do an audition, and I was really encouraged by my choir teacher to try out for the part of Ann Eller. I had the maturity. I had the look. I could carry it off very well, she said. So I went for it. There was another woman who went for the part who, well, um, also could carry it off while I'd seen her. She and I knew each other. I'd seen her perform it, too, and we kind of compared notes. She showed up for the audition late, um, and I know she showed up for the audition late. I had a nice, bright, big, large print watch, and I, she showed up late because she was at some other sporting practice or something other. Um, and she ended up getting the part. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember through the whole audition, they said, if you show up late, you're not going to get a part. We'll, we'll watch you, but you're not going to get a part. Uh, and it made me very upset um, that they gave her the part over me. Um, and so I badgered my choir teacher. I said, okay, there's more going on here than you're telling me. And at first she denied it and wouldn't go through any, oh, she was there on time. And I had other people backing me up saying, no, she was late, maybe only by five minutes. And so finally she caved in. She caved in. Um, my mom came down to pick me up that day after the school. Uh, and she took my mom and myself aside and said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it to you as straight as I can, and I know you're not going to like it. And she said to me that... I, I see this one coming up the highway. Oh, can you see it? Uh -huh. Sure. Go ahead. Um, it, was told, it, it was explained to me that the drama teacher felt that a stage was no place for a person with a disability. Um, and that really blindsided me. Oh, um, that makes me just makes me mad it does. thinking about. I was oh, I was ready to I was ready just to punch the walls in at that point. Um, and had Myrna been there um, and had some influence, I have a feeling things would have gone differently. However, this was an extracurricular activity, and she could not step in on my behalf at that point. She could advise me on how I should take it, but she really had no say because it was not a required activity for schooling, so she couldn't advocate, which really didn't help. <laughs> my mother, on, on the other hand, did not know how to advocate um, because Myrna had always done it for years. She kind of lost touch with that and didn't know either. Um, and I remember trying to fight off the tears and try to explain to, geez, you know, you've known me for seven years, all through middle school, all through high school. You know me better than that. Even if it takes me extra time, we can do this. Why can't we work this out? 
Um, it was a lot of politics going on. Um, I didn't get the part. Um, I became understudy, which was okay, except I was so bitter inside that I really didn't take advantage of that either. Um, they strung me along to the whole whole season of auditions and whatnot because this girl would never show up on time. Sometimes she wouldn't show up at all. But me being the bitter person that I was because I really felt like I had been betrayed, didn't learn the part well, didn't take the opportunity to, you know, learn my way around the stage well, I moped. I just didn't, I didn't appreciate the experience, and on hindsight, I wish I had, but of course, you know, I'm a teenager. Hindsight's 2020, and so there you go. Exactly. So it's a, it's, you are, you learn very quickly that although you are quote-unquote accepted, if something arises that is outside of the norm, that is when, unfortunately, that the, the smoothly running machine comes to a grinding halt, and you learn that these people haven't expanded their own horizons. Um, had this choir teacher of mine, I think, pushed a little harder um, and didn't let the politics get to her, I think perhaps I might have had a better shot. I don't know for sure. I mean, it's it's really hard to say. I didn't. I was too ripped to speak to the choir. The um, the uh, the drama teacher. Um, I think part of the reason why I didn't get it also was because I wasn't a part of the drama cl- the drama cast. Um, they had their own drama club, and I did not participate. Um, yeah. I think that had something to do with it too. But the fact sure. that my disability became an issue at all just really ripped me right down the right down the center. You know. Um, well, you, you, you have to realize, and, and as we stumble through this world, and you'll realize it more and more the older you get, that mm-hmm. that uh, losing is necessary sometimes just so you become sort of inert to losing so that it doesn't, so that you, when you go into something, you say, well, if I win this, fine. If I don't, who cares? Exactly. And I wasn't at that point. I was still learning. Well, no, you weren't. You were just a child. That's I, it. I bless um, your little heart. I, you know, you, you go through it. Um, and that was, you know, it was a good experience. It did, to some degree, disenchant me to the whole idea of the performing arts, though, um, because I yeah. felt that, well, if this is happening now with people who are supposed to know who I am, what's going to happen with total strangers? So I backed yeah. off a lot when it came to college. I did go to the choir, but you can see why I didn't seek out the choir immediately when I went to St. Joe's, because I was very hesitant. Um, and only after prodding did I go back and enjoyed it, certainly. Um, and so St. Jones uh, went by. Um, I was probably one semester away from uh, being um, kicked out. Um, and I decided that uh, with a little <clears throat> prodding from my parents to consider other alternatives uh, so that maybe I could get my life back in focus, uh, and so that's when I switched schools, um, trying to bring this all the way back around to where we were before. Okay. Yeah, well, that, that, that was a good story that needed to be told. You yes, needed to tell that story, so. and I'm glad you did. So you changed colleges yes. and ended up graduating? Or? I did graduate. Um, I changed colleges. I went to Southern Connecticut State University for another couple of years. Uh-huh. And there's more stories to be told here, and I really wish we had more than an hour because these really need to be told. Well, we'll so. come back to you in six or eight months. Don't worry. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll catch everybody twice. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, if we need to. Yeah. Um, I'll try to keep these short, too. Um, college of Southern. Um, I was still considering my uh, potential as a special education teacher. First year went fine. Um, 
second year, for the most part, went fine, too. As a matter of fact, I brought my grade point average up. Um, and there were, of course, some bumps along the road. Yeah. But they were nothing that I hadn't kind of gotten used to. Um, now... I uh, got to know a really wonderful lady by the name of uh, Sydney Howard. Um, she now works in the Meriden School System where I used to go to school. So kind of worked out kind of uh, in an ironic way. Really? Um, she, she saw the potential for me being a teacher, um, as did several other professors. Um, and didn't, a lot of times I didn't know I was disabled. Um, a lot of kids bring in tape recorders to take their classes. A lot of kids bring in... No, Pat. You, you, know, did, you nothing, did none of that. I did all of that, and there was nothing that made me stand out. Uh, okay. At that time, I wasn't walking around with a white cane. As okay, a, a lot of kids bring in tape recorders, so you didn't stand out. I got your point. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and so they saw the potential of me being a good teacher, and that made me feel even more justified. Yeah. Uh, it only took one semester, though, from a total stranger to blow it to pieces. Um, and this woman... In the classroom, she was cool. Um, I felt that she and I could discuss educational theory wonderfully, had no problem. When it comes to the practical application, though, she was old school. Um, and what ended up happening is they put us into this class that it was pre-student teaching. Um, and it was we were the guinea pig class because mm -hmm. they wanted to get us some experience in the classroom before being thrust into the whole situation. Yeah. She put me in a classroom, inner city school kids. First graders, 30 of them, no teaching assistant, didn't even take into account my disability and my ability to teach these children. Uh, and to make a long story short, most of the semester went well because I really had very little supervision. Uh, the kids loved me. I had no problems teaching them. Uh, I got along very well with the teacher in the classroom, although she didn't play a big role, but she could see that the kids were happy. Uh, and that's what she wanted to see. She said, I couldn't really get that kind of response out of them that you did. And the rest of the day, when she would leave, was a much more comfortable setting. But three-quarters of the way through the semester, of course, here comes my professor. She wants to see what I've been doing. Um, I showed her my work. She wasn't happy with it. She said that I wasn't following the quote-unquote plan of the class. Um, and the teacher, instead of taking my side, that and said nothing. I had to basically frantically put together something for the final assignment to try to pass the practicum course, the part of the course. Very dull, very boring. Um, it just wasn't who I was. It was going against everything that I had been trying to teach these kids for the entire semester. Mm -hmm. It ended up starting a fight with two very volatile young boys and I ended up having 13 stitches on the left side of the head because I didn't see a pet rock coming at me. Um, and I had no help. Um, I, ha I remember a little girl running into the hallway going, my teacher got hurt, you know. She's on the ground. She's bleeding, you know. I was out of it. I, didn't, I just didn't know what to do. They should not have put you in that situation to they begin with. They shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. um, and when the other professors in the department found out about it, they were outraged. They're like, how can you put it, you know, for all, all intents and purposes, a blind person in a classroom with 30 kids on her own? You just don't do that. And this teacher said, oh, she would have to do it. And she went the whole nine yards. She went to the dean of the school, and the dean of the school was her husband. <clears throat> yeah. That didn't go over very well for my case. 
Um, I ended up taking two of the professors with me when I left. Um, the teacher basically mm-hmm. said, I'm not going to pass her. She couldn't handle the work. Um, and I remember these other two professors saying, oh, wait a minute, you two, you are a special education teacher. She is a student needing special help. She went to you on several occasions. You refused to help her, said she had to figure it out herself. What kind of special education teacher are you, you know? So I took two of the professors with me. Um, although they did hem and haw, they tried to stick it out, couldn't do it. They left. Um, one of those was Sydney Howard, um, and I still keep in touch with her. Uh, it pretty much dashed my dreams as a special education teacher um, because I just felt that, well, if these are supposed to be the educators of our, you know, of our children and they can't help me, who is, like you said, outgoing and certainly willing to express herself, and, and then, you know, what hope do I have? So I said, okay, I need, to, I need to back off here. I had four years of schooling under my belt, and I just didn't know what to do with it all. So um, I was newly married too. So I had a I had another perspective, and even my own husband said, "You know what? Those teachers aren't worth a you know a, uh, a yeah. one, one quarter." You know. Yeah. So you need to you know you need to take uh, a step back and put your life into perspective. I went to a third school. <laughs> a third college. Third college. Good heavens. Um, and at that point, I tried to reinvest myself in my love of music didn't work out as well as I wanted to, and this time I knew it just from the course load once I saw what was required of me. Um, I, want to, I want music to be a part of my life because I want it to be, not because it's going to be a career and you're going to make me audition for every little thing I do. I said, no, that's just not what I want to do. So I created my own degree um, over at the University of Minnesota instead of pursuing a music therapy degree. Um, you know, the therapy part, I had down no sweat, but I couldn't handle the music part. I just wasn't, I just couldn't do it. Too, I had too many, you can you can kind of gather too many uh, scars, shall we say. Yeah. Um, and so I, we traveled across the United States to Minnesota, talk about a total new, totally new learning experience. Really? Yep. This is when I decided to learn Braille. Um, this is when I was taught how to use a white cane. Uh, this is where I was taught how to um, to learn to get around, to learn a new city. Um, I had had some mobility training, very limited um, up until then. Um, more as a, you use your cane as an identifier, not as a probing device to help you get around. Um, and so this was the next step for me. This was, okay, embrace your disability and find all the ways you can get around it. Uh, so that you can function on your own without any trouble. So I did. I went to um, I went for about a year before because I couldn't go to University of Minnesota unless I wanted to pay ten times the amount because I wasn't a resident of the state. Uh, so I waited a year and I did this rehab, and I think it really did wonder. Which, which, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. you should have done in high school. Yes. And, and you know that you know that now too. Oh, okay. Listen, I don't want to rush you, but let me just say this: uh-huh. you, did you, you got a degree from the University of Minnesota. That's correct. In in, in what did you, you said you invented it? What did you call it? We ended up just calling it. Um, it was disability access. Um, Oh, it didn't have a. Uh, you could call it anything you okay. wanted to, but it was an intercollege degree. Okay, so now we're yeah. you're you're twenty five, twenty six years old now. Mm-hmm, that's right. What and what did you decide to do with this degree? At that point, um, I had in my degree work taken some courses in customer service and business business training. 
uh, and found that, well, geez, there is a way to teach people, to teach adults. I like this. It's the teaching I like. It doesn't matter who I'm teaching. Okay. So um, I, I came um, to uh, be interested in, well, how can I, you know, how can I get involved in the business community? So I went, um, we left Minnesota um, just shy. I had like one course to finish. We came back to Minnesota because the job situation, or we came back to the East Coast because the job situation in Minnesota wasn't too good. Yeah. Um, my husband's a computer programmer, um, and we just we just wanted to be closer to the family. Um, couldn't stand the six-month-long winter. Too many things just weren't working our way yeah. out there socially. So we moved back here, um, and I started the job search. And that was not easy. Um, I was very discouraged, and you've seen it. And you don't have to be disabled to experience That's your, true. If you don't have any experience, how can I get any if you're not going to hire me? Yeah, anymore? chicken or egg, sure. So I went through that for years. Um, I went to Carroll School for the Blind out here for their career counseling services and had a very nice gentleman uh, who really was motivated, thought that he saw a lot of potential again, but just couldn't find the right niche for me. Um, people were very scared. People wanted to pay me pennies for, you know, for this pittance of a job that I'm supposed to be so happy with. And I just, I would turn down job after job, and I'm like, you know what? You want me to sell light bulbs um, or you want me to answer the phone all day for $6 an hour and I'm supposed to be happy with this? Can you present it to me in a way that would make me feel proud of what I'm doing? Okay, we're, we're, we're fast approaching the end. Oh. What did you finally end up doing? Well, I am now uh, a customer service representative for a student loan company uh, called um, the Education Resource Institute. It's a division of First Marblehead Resources here in Boston. And do you have to go somewhere to do this, or can you do it from home? Nope. I actually have to go into work every day, yeah. um, and uh, it's a fully stocked customer service center. I've been there for about a year and a half. Of course, I know we didn't really get to touch on the product access project. That became well, I, I, I want to do that. We've got about 90 seconds. Can we do it quickly? I'll do my best. Okay. okay. Product, product access project was my attempt in, um, in my uh, job searching to make a meaningful existence for myself. Uh -huh. it's, a, it's a project design that uh, allows people to access package information, uh, nutrition information, ingredients, etc., that they can read on the Internet. Um, it was my way of giving back to the disabled community. In other words, if you have a package of Heinz frozen peas yes. and you want to know how to cook those, you can go online. You will have a re uh, instructions for those at a website. That's right. Now, this website link is too long, and what I can do, Phil, is I can give you the website um, and if people ask about it, um, I'm also intending to join the ACB radio list, so I can send it out that way as well. That would be good. You don't want to give the URL. We've got time if you want to. Um, it's really long. I have to be honest with you, and this is kind of a little plug. I would like to do a domain name uh, come 2004 since the site is really growing, uh -huh. uh, but it does take money, and it takes time and resources. Yes. Um, and I will be honest with you. The site um, is... Why don't, you, why don't you send me the URL to my email, and if yes. anyone wants it, I'll, I'll forward it back to them. I think that would be... My, my email is very simple. I'm just Phil Parr, mm -hmm. and my P-H-I-L-P-A-R-R at lowercase, at T as in Tom, X-U, com, dot net. 
Oh, that's very easy. I'm, okay, great. Yeah, see if you calm down. I'm just very simple. Everybody knows my email address. I get tons of email every day. <laughs> so perfect. send me the I mean, URL, and if anybody wants it, I <laughs> uh, will either pass them on to Dale Campbell or we'll email it back to them. Um, Myself. That's right. Them? And I'm also a member of the Cooking in the Dark mailing list myself, so I do talk to Dale on a big, on a semi-regular basis. So anyone, it on, is um, it on there? Can you get it from the Cooking in the Dark list? Yes. Is it? No. He's that's got good. it at the bottom of all the emails that he posts. So. Okay. That solves the problem right there. Cooking in the Dark at, uh, I think it's Topica. Yes, .com. That's right. Topica.com will get you, uh, subscribe at Topica.com will get you in the cooking in the dark list. Mm-hmm. Well, we are uh, absolutely out of time. We covered a lot of ground. I, 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 we could have done it faster, but I, I, I wanted to get your, I wanted to let you go. I, oh, I appreciate you to, that. I wish we could have done more, perhaps. Uh, I wanted you to do your thing. Well, give me six months or eight months, or when, let me get kind of back around, and I'll call you back, and we'll discuss. I want to talk more about this, um, your project of, of um, instructions for cooking things uh, on the Internet. That's a that's a wonderful thing to have. Oh, I definitely think it will be a good thing in time. It, it's still relatively small, of course, with me doing my own job now 40 hours a week. The project is not getting the attention it really deserves. Yeah. Um, and so in time. Uh, if anybody writes to you, if anyone writes to the Cooking in the Dark list, like I said, I will be on ACB Radio once I uh, get my confirmation. Um, just ask, uh, you know, my name is Shelly Prue. Just ask for me. It's, um, you know, I, I'm certainly willing to talk to anyone about it and uh, give anybody the heads up since we couldn't cover it today. Shelly Prue, thanks very much sure. for, for being on the Blind Like Me show. Thank you very much, Phil. I did receive an email containing her URL, and it is long. It's much longer than it should be and much longer than she needs. But if you are not a member of the Cooking in the Dark list, you can certainly join that list, Cooking in the Dark dash subscribe at Topica.com. You can get on that list, and you can find out about this um, little web-based instructions for cooking things, which is going to be a really neat deal once she gets it all up and gets a little simpler uh, domain name. Anyway, if uh, that fails, you can write me at uh, blindlikeme at txucom.net or at philpar at txucom.net. Oh, and we'll give you the URL, okay? Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week with more of our little show we call Blind Like Me. Bye-bye.